Welcome to the perfume room. My scent of the day today is actually two scents and also a little bit of perfume juice for you all. On my right wrist, I am wearing Parfum de Mali Meliora, which you know I love, best in class black currant scent. And on my left wrist, I am wearing Diptyque Volute, which is a fragrance I believe I talked about on this podcast a few weeks ago as a more recent discovery that I fell in love with. And unfortunately, my opinion has changed. Let me tell you why. So when I first tried Diptyque Velute a few weeks back, I really smelled the iris note. To me, it was this honeyed, tobacco-y, resiny iris note. It smelled like a makeup bag at night. It was just sweet and sexy and syrupy. And what I smelled today reminds me of Serge Luton Chergui. It's very dry and arid. It's tobacco-y and hay and very spicy. And what I'm getting in non-fragrance terms is a very spicy baby powder on my skin. And I'm just wondering, because it's like night and day, like I got something syrupy and just absolute like saccharine goodness. And it smells like a totally different, unrecognizable scent today. Both of them were the Eau de Parfum. I'm not sure what happened. But I also think this is a good like moment to just talk about the fact that sometimes your opinions change. I have many times smelled a fragrance that I did not like at first that really grew on me. And I have many times smelled a fragrance that I did like at first that especially as I was able to wear it on my skin, maybe, you know, I loved the first impression of it on the blotter and it just didn't work with my skin chemistry. So I'm very curious what perfumes have you had that experience with where you've loved it and then disliked it, hated it, and then loved it, anything of the like. And I'm pretty sure I've talked about Meliora multiple times on this podcast, but let me just say why I love it. And that is because to me, blackcurrant is a note that often feels too tart for my liking. You know, you hear blackcurrant, you might think, oh, it's going to be like a berry fragrance. But to me, blackcurrant feels much more aligned with that sort of effervescence and tartness that you get from citrus fragrances. I feel like it's more closely aligned to something that smells like rhubarb than something that smells like blackberry. And what I love about Meliora is that yes, that traditional tart note that you get with a black currant scent is present, but somehow it's warmed and creamy by these beautiful soft floral notes. And it is to me, best in class, creamy black currant, which I think is a very difficult feat to accomplish. And I also just wanna say, a lot of people on Fragrantica compare Lalique Amethyst to Meliora and say that it's a great dupe. I fully disagree. I think amethyst is very much that traditional tart black currant note and smells like really straight up black currant to me. And where I think Meliora really shines is that it does have this sort of sweet, warm, creamy element to it that I think is so unique and beautiful. So what is the perfume juice of all of this, you ask? It is that I got all of these scents in three milliliter tester vials that Nordstrom has. I was there yesterday wandering around, poking my nose in different fragrances. And I noticed that you can literally fill any of their bottles in any price range into their three milliliter take-home samples. When you think about how much one milliliter samples sell for on websites like Lucky Scent and Fragrance Decamp Boutique and Perfume Court, and the fact that you can just be filling up these three milliliter vials 
What a win. They are also sprays, not dabbers, which is, you know, night and day. And I didn't hold back. I filled two bottles of Meliora. I filled two bottles of Diptyque Velout. And I filled one bottle of Parfum de Mali Galloway for my boyfriend because he enjoys that scent. All this to say, we are not sponsored by Nordstrom, but head to a Nordstrom near you to take vials of your favorite fragrances for free. Let's get on to our guest because she is one that I'm sure so many of you are already fans of. Today we are joined by Yosh Han. Yosh is a perfumer. She is the founder of Yosh Olfactory Scents. And Yosh also teaches and speaks about scent culture and is the creator and producer of Scent Festival, which is an online festival that was created to raise awareness about intersectionality and perfumery. And Yosh and Scent Festival have been instrumental in all the recent changes of reclassifying the O word to Amber. Yosh is also the creative director at Scent Trunk, which is a perfume publishing house that commissions independent perfumers to create original bespoke editions. And of course, we talk about all of this in today's episode. But what you might not know about Yosh is that she is also a deeply psychic. And you know how much I love any time we can combine perfume and spirituality Yosh is a clairvoyant, and in this episode, we discuss the correlation of perfumes and auras and synesthesia, and Yosh gives me a live aura slash psychic reading on the podcast and finds a way to tie it all back to scent. It was not only fun, but it was profound. I so respect and admire her so many talents, as well as her commitment and success in making true industry change. I will say that we genuinely recorded this episode for two hours. Thank you, Wyatt, for your patience. So we did have to take out some of the interview just for time's sake. All this to say, I feel like we hardly scratched the surface of all of Yosh's many talents and stories. Without further ado, here is Yosh. Yosh, welcome to the perfume room. It's so good to have you on. Thank you so much, Emma. I'm so excited to be here. So, you know, I always start the podcast with the following three questions. The first is, what are you currently wearing? Well, a lot of times I don't actually wear perfume because there's just too much in my house with all the perfume projects that I'm working on. But over the summer, I think I overdosed on Lime by Juan Perez, which was a scent trunk creation that, you know, I'm the creative director there, but I really love the fragrance. And then in the fall, I haven't really found my transition scent and it's already mm -hmm. winter. So I mm -hmm. feel like I missed my perfume du jour. Mm -hmm. So I'm not wearing anything right now. Okay. <laughs> Would you say in general, I mean, you know, you talked about this lime scent. Do you believe in signature scents? And is there one that you feel people associate with you? For a long time, I wore one of my own called Ginger Chow, which is this tropical, very ylang ylang, but spicy with the ginger and the basil and the sandalwood, this kind of creamy, mm -hmm. gourmand, spicy fragrance. But mm -hmm. I do feel like I grew out of it. And then I went through a very dark period where I wore Sombra Negra, which means black shadow, also one of my creations. And then I actually had to step away completely. Um, I, and I did kind of just lose my sense of smell for a couple of years. And then only recently has it come back. And so to me, I feel like I'm in that moment of personal transition and personal transformation. Um, so I, I feel like I'm, I, it's kind of strange to say, but I feel like I'm also searching for my new signature scent. So it's been really fun to go on this journey of watching all the TikToks 
and seeing what's on trend and and remembering, wait, do I know that fragrance? I don't know that fragrance. Should I try mm-hmm. that fragrance? And so it's mm-hmm. fun to be a consumer now, whereas before I was never a consumer. But but to be honest, I'm I'm actually just often wear whatever I'm working on. So right now, mm-hmm. I am working for a client of mine, a new client. She has an ink studio, so she's a tattoo artist and a jewelry designer. So I'm working on something for her. And so right now, what's top of mind that I've been playing around on my body with, because I don't have tattoos, is that smell of something inky and shiny. Mm. So so it's it's the holy grail of the moment for me right now to develop that for her. But also, what do I smell like? What would I want to have like... This idea of signature scent reminds me that for some people, it's like a tattoo. It's it's their signature scent. And right. I, I'm afraid to because I'm, I'm so like, I change my mind all the time. I change my mood all the time. Yeah. No, I mean, I've had guests who have different periods of their life with it where they'll assign a signature scent. I had um, Sasha Spielberg on who talked about how she has like a three-month rule. And it's like a good way to to sort of pay homage to the fact that we're evolving in our tastes and where we are in life, but still sort of have something that like pinpoints where you are in that moment. And I think because I spend so much time in the water, either swimming in the open ocean or sailing, Mm -hmm. I feel like this idea of a salty scent, I I feel like that like comes out of my pores now. Whereas before, I think I may have been a beachy smell girl. Whereas Mm. now I'm just more salty Okay. So, so so I do feel like I'm in that same genre, but but becoming more embodied in it. You were mentioning how it's fun being a consumer on TikTok. Are there any trends or um, any fragrances that you've seen on there that have just shocked you of like, I can't believe this came back or, you know, I can't believe this isn't being talked about or is being talked about? That, well, okay. So, so that's a very good question. I had this thought the other day. Is vanilla really actually super trendy still, or has the consumer not evolved from vanilla fragrances? Because mm-hmm. as a perfumer, I for, for, for my entire career, I just never had a vanilla scent because I thought it was cheating because I thought, oh, it's a moneymaker. It's easy, low-hanging fruit. So mm-hmm. as a personal artistic challenge, I never wanted to create a fragrance that was focused on vanilla. Mm-hmm. So, so that's been literally on my mind because I fucking see vanilla everywhere I'm like right can can yeah. we evolve? you know I mean you know oud was the hot topic of the moment right lots of everyone had a oud fragrance and I was right. happy it was it was great to have this new kind of style and then just like you know anything in life you swing from one to the other you know when mm-hmm. when Cal- when Calvin Klein was like everything was clean and pure then you had these like big opulent fragrances and then you mm-hmm. swing back the other way so I do find that at the same moment, these big gourmands are still like being glamorized. At the same time, people also really love these skin scents. So there is mm-hmm. this like interesting polarizing thing that I see happening between people want something clean and fresh and skin, but then mm-hmm. these like opulent over the top, almost like 80s fragrances are coming back like in full force. I do want to touch on something you mentioned that's, um, if you're willing to talk about it, um, you talked about how you didn't have your sense of smell for a little bit of time. Yeah, so this is, it's, I haven't really been so public with it because I was really afraid that mm-hmm. uh, that I would just not have a place in my world and in my business. And then I also was like, oh, fuck it, I'm sick of that perfume world anyway, and I stepped away. But what happened was 
around 2016, I was really doing a lot of consulting for some really humongous projects where I was actively smelling. I had, you know, a couple of assistants who, who were helping me coming to my studio. I had two really, really big projects where one was a contamination job where I had to go fly to a place and smell for contamination on certain products. And that was like, oh my God, I've never done something like that before. But it was so interesting to, to we were able to pinpoint with our human noses, which products of 10,000 products had been contaminated. Wow. So that, that was like a heavy project. And then, you know, we know that fragrance and emotions and memories are so tied together. Well, I had a really bad breakup. And in the middle of all this, I was cooking something with vanilla and I wasn't paying attention and I dropped it and I fucking almost burnt my house down. Oh so the, the van- whatever I was cooking caught on fire and then I dropped it and burned my leg. And oh my so, gosh. yes. So it was, it was very scary because I have elder people living in the house. And so I was, and I have a whole bunch of perfume, like fucking flammable in my apartment. So I was terrified. So my immediate thought was, please don't let anyone die. And then Mm -hmm. please, I hope I can extinguish this. But all those things happened at the same time. And then I just was also professionally and personally ready to like leave the building. Mm -hmm. So what happened was in that time period of, let's say, a pretty condensed like three to six month period where I just had so much going on. I just had to step away. And so I did notice that I couldn't smell anything, but I didn't know. I mean, I had heard about people losing their sense of smell, but it's not like now with COVID, it is a thing where, where people right. understand that you have this, you know, temporary loss. Whereas right. back then I was just like afraid. I was really anxious. I was, you know, also going through like just personal turmoil. Mm -hmm. So what I ended up doing was I I left San Francisco, sold everything, kind of wound down my business where I could do everything remotely and got rid of my studio, gave away all my perfume supplies. I was just like, boom, done. Everything that I own is in a warehouse, in inventory. If you want to buy it, go through my website or any retailer. And I just had it on remote control. Then I left, traveled the world through remote year, And I did a lot of events while I was in Latin America, in Europe, in Asia, and I just wasn't actively smelling. So I didn't need to smell. And so when I was abroad, I just noticed that's so weird. I can't really smell as well. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know if it was just like psychosomatic or or was I just like still Mm -hmm. not interested in perfume because I felt just like burnt out, right? Right. I could smell something, but it was so faint that I couldn't tell if it was the memory of a scent or could I really smell it. So I don't know that it like disappeared so much as it diminished. And still through this whole time, I was like, okay, I don't really care because I don't really want to smell things. And then literally it wasn't until last year during COVID where I was like, holy fuck, do I have this thing that everyone else has that they don't have the sense of smell? And then suddenly Yosh personally didn't feel so alone. I mean, this is such a weird thing to just voice out loud. But I was like, oh, wow, okay. Other people have this temporary loss of smell and, and it's no longer this weird thing in my head. I was like, oh, maybe I'm like Beethoven and he's deaf and I can still make perfume. 
you know, like, you know, yeah, like just, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And so I was, I was still able to make yeah. things and I, and, and then what I would do was I had an evaluation team. So if they're smelling with me, it was just confirmation that I had, a, I had other noses to rely on to, mm-hmm. to say like, okay, this is what I'm detecting. And so I, I knew that my sense of smell was working, but not at the level that I was accustomed to smelling. But then I knew like it had officially come back when um, it's like one of those things when you like drink milk and you're like, oh, fuck, this has gone rancid. It mm-hmm. was one of those things where I was like, oh, I can smell this. This is great at the level of intensity that I thought was appropriate. Right. And and then, of course, I was like, remember this moment. You should write it down. Of, of course, I didn't. So I don't remember what it is. <laughs> but I, I remember the moment feeling, oh, right. my sense of smell has finally returned. And then I was thinking, wow, that was like a three year fucking journey where I, I couldn't smell and then I could smell. I didn't want to smell. And then I, I guess like if anyone is listening who may have had some challenges, it's to really have patience. I didn't do any specific smell training because as a perfumer, I'm always using my sense of smell. Mm-hmm. But I would say that if if you're having issues with it, of course, it's very emotional because you have so many memories attached to the food you're eating or things like, and I could always taste the whole time. So, so to me, it was mm-hmm. my sense of smell was reduced, whereas I could taste everything. So that's not what's happening with people who have COVID. Right. Um, but I would say to have patience and to also, you know, it may just suddenly come back and you have no, you know, I, I remember listening to an episode with Kavi and, and she had mm-hmm. a, a reduced sense of smell too. Right. And so it, it is affecting more people. And I think just having awareness and then if you have your sense of smell now to really embrace it, because when you lose it, you do feel a deep sense of grief and loss right. because when you have it back, you're like, Oh my God, it's like I was watching everything in black and white. And now right. I have color again. Hello everyone. I hope you are loving this episode. I am coming to you with an update on the smell club. If you heard back a few episodes ago in the episode with Linda Levy, who is the president of fragrance foundation. If you listen to that episode in its entirety, you heard about the Smell Club. I received so many messages from so many of you, and I just want to say thank you so much for your patience. Turns out, haha, silly me, it takes more than three days to lock in a retail partner for a huge project. So hopefully I will have an update for all of you this week, but you did not miss any emails. More to come on the Smell Club. If you are listening to this and you are like, what is that? Go listen to the episode with Linda Levy or shoot me a DM. I'm so excited to get this off the ground. And there are so many amazing things in store. Thank you for your patience. I can't even imagine how hard that must be, as you were saying, as someone who did have this supersonic sense of smell. And I know that you also have a background as a chocolate taster and a sommelier. And you said your your taste wasn't affected, luckily. When did you realize that you really had this ability that was more refined than most people's? I think when, 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 you know, as a perfumer, I get asked to collaborate on lots of different things and it, it's sort of like, it's not because I don't have an ego cause I do just like the next person, but, but I noticed that I saw the world differently based on these collaborations. So when I talked about chocolate, it was in a very different way than chocolatiers would talk about chocolate. Mm-hmm. Or if I was working with Psalms or, 
when you talk shop with other people who have extraordinary talent, even in that atmosphere, in that rarefied circle, they're, I don't want to say it like this, but, but kind of their awe of me. I was like, am I special? <laughs> so, so it was, it was because other people who other people find tastemakers viewed my ability to talk about these more, not quotidian, but the way I describe their world helped them who are already experts view their world with deeper appreciation. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it's that I have some supersonic like technique or something, but I think it's the way I view the world. Mm -hmm. And also because this other lens of, of, of viewing the world spiritually, Mm -hmm. because I think for some many people, it's a physical experience, but I think when you tap into this, otherworldliness, your your physical experience of smelling or tasting becomes multi-sensorial. And olfaction just happens to be, to me, a superpower because most people are visual and, mm-hmm. and then and then lots of people are auditory. But when you can access your sense of smell and use it, for example, as a way to navigate through life, mm-hmm. you're tapping into your intuitive powers. And so when you can do that and see the world that way or smell the world that way, you just have a different way of, of navigating and experiencing the world that's invisible to others. Right. And I think something that you talked about that we need to discuss is that you do, you know, you mentioned having this super sense of smell, that it's almost like some people see it as like a psychic ability, but you are a clairvoyant, right? Yeah, yeah. I actually went to school for four years at the Asclepion Healing Institute in San Rafael, just north of San Francisco. And Mm -hmm. because I have always had these like, I don't know, weird things happen to me, I, I just wanted to know that I wasn't a complete weirdo, right? Because in analog life or linear life, or, you know, let's just say whatever normative life being psychic is perceived as a other thing. Right. And, and, Mm -hmm. and so when I went to school, it was more this amazing gift to hone that technique because that's what you learn is you learn technique Mm -hmm. and then you learn what it is and what you learn, what your own energy is and you learn what other people's energy is. And so you learn the first thing you learn in school is how to separate your energy from the next person. And you learn systems, you learn techniques. And so, you know, I did that program for four years. So, so it's like, I I read so many people in that four year time. And then when I incorporated it into my business, I would travel the world, read people's energies and match it to people's fragrances and, and then over time, I developed my own style of reading. And what's amazing, of course, is when you read someone's energy, you, you have this like instant, not access, but it but you just have this int- intimacy between you and the other person because mm-hmm. you are removing your veil. Right. It, it's, it's also very special because when people allow me in that space, there's growth for me and the other person. For me as a clairvoyant, viewing someone's operating system in a spiritual manner. So I see their sacred contracts and I'm like, how come that's not in anyone's playbook? Because right. you're a gene because you're a genius, mm-hmm. but because the society says na 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 na, they're afraid to be that person. You were talking about how it's a gift you want to share. 
And you had this fragrance line where you read people's chakras and auras and then matched them with a scent that you thought went with it intuitively. And I feel like that's like the perfect mix of all of your gifts. And what was that process like? Like, how did you do it? Well, in, in the beginning of the of, of how I started my business, I always wanted that attunement as part of the DNA. So so that's also just how I make perfume because I don't see the perfumes as just a olfactive tube of paint, so to speak. Is mm-hmm. you know, some people would maybe call it more aromatherapy, right? There's there's like let's say top notes, middle notes, and base notes. Top notes are small molecules and they evaporate very quickly, medium, you know, middle notes or medium molecules. There's the scientific aspect of that. Mm-hmm. But then how I see things is then you overlay it with the spirituality or the, the plant intelligence. So top notes tend to grow on the tops of trees. Middle notes tend to grow mid-waist, the flowers, and base notes tend to grow close to the ground. I've never thought of it like that. And so when you understand the the energetics of the plant material, including I include synthetics in there too, because you can have a fake synthetic gardenia and it's you you can understand that it's a flower and you can understand that in normal life it, it grows mid-waist. So they're harmonizers. Mm-hmm. And then you understand, okay, well, how am I going to create a fragrance? And then you understand that these materials, these these are characters with energetic properties of their own. So I view top notes as very sparkly, effervescent. Mm-hmm extroverted um, people that you want at the beginning of your party. Right, like I'm not here for a long time, but I'm here for a good time. Exactly. So the, the idea of perfume as a party, mm-hmm. then the middle notes, they're the life of the party. They get along with everyone. They're easygoing. Mm-hmm. And base notes, there's two kinds of base notes. The base notes, like, like the great friends who are going to stick around. They're going to help you wash the dishes. You have the other base notes who are very tenacious stay overstay their welcome mm-hmm. and they're not they're now getting into your secret alcohol drawer and you're like what the fuck why aren't you leaving yeah. they're, they're like you know like get the fuck out of here mm-hmm. and so when you start when you start to understand olfactive materials as personalities mm-hmm. then you understand well what 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 is the chemistry between this ingredient and that ingredient mm-hmm. and then what is the objective what what what's the theme of the party because some parties you just want like big barbecue everyone come versus like an intimate salon gathering where you want to have an intentional like you know I want these friends because they're special to me or I really want you know I feel like you would be a great person to um kind of mix people's personalities together I love doing seating arrangements it's my favorite <laughs> exactly exactly and so I feel like you making a perfume for for how you see the world, the perfumes themselves will talk to you. Because if if yuzu, you think it should go well with basil and then you put them in a bottle and you're like, wow, that's some aggressive energy. They don't they don't like each other. And so you you want to create a fragrance that has that X factor, but also this harmonic resonance. And so my perfumes always from the beginning have this notion of, okay, well I want to create something called you know, that's, that's soft. And so, you know, this, I have a rose fragrance that's very soft and I named it sottile, which means subtle in Italian mm-hmm. versus, I don't know, um, Koenig, which means, you know, king in German. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted something to have that regalness, right? And so you, you, you choose fragrances or materials based on that energetic property. Then when you wear that fragrance, you kind of embody that chemistry or that energy of that particular fragrance. Mm-hmm. Are there certain 
like I'm curious how you see auras. Do you see it as the, you know, the colors in the rainbow? And are if so, what notes do you think go with each aura in general? Yeah, yeah, no, great question. I there are traditional colors to each of the chakras, right? And and I didn't make up chakra. It's a Sanskrit word and it means wheel and and I don't like to use those words one cuz I cannot pronounce them correctly, so I just take them as themes. So let's mm-hmm. say the first chakra traditionally is red mm-hmm. versus, you know, the throat chakra is a different color. I see things, I see aura as both colors but also textures Mm -hmm. and also in images. And then I hear things. And then with the colors and the smells, there are definitely certain smells, I would say that, um, that, uh, that, that feel energetically happy. What feels like, um, a purple chakra to you in terms of like notes or a blue chakra? Blue is definitely has this I, I also just want to have a caveat. Yeah. There's the people who are synesthetic, right? Mm-hmm. So people, there's no always because people smell things in colors, sounds, and um, have numbers. And so I would say that like this is, let's say I'm in a class and I've done this lots of times, is I will give someone the whole class blind, cardamom. What happens is how the person perceives that cardamom, again, they don't know I've given them cardamom. One person will say, oh, it smells really scratchy. Well, that tells me that person's very tactile. The next person might say, oh, that smells really loud. Well, it tells me that person is auditory. Mm -hmm. And another person will say, that smells like my grandma's cooking. So they're more emotional and attached to um, a memory. And then someone else will say, oh, it smells like cinnamon. Or another person will say, that smells really red. And so it's it's not just about the color. It's also about the texture and the quality and then the beauty is, is when, when, especially in class, when I have people make their blend, everyone has like, oh, I want to create a masterpiece. And you're like, okay, maybe not in the intro class, but let's try. <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> the biggest surprise is always the person who has, of course they say this, right? Child's mind or beginner's mind. Like, let's just, it's the fool card in tarot, mm-hmm. right? It's just like, if you can come with it with an open heart, we don't know. They do these combos that are not expected because they don't know what the pyramid is. They don't know what a fragrance wheel is. Mm -hmm. You just say, oh yeah, just go have fun. And then there's always a moment in class where people are shy. And then all of a sudden people are like, the perfumes just come alive and the class goes nuts. Mm -hmm. That moment where everything is like wild and loose and free, that energy of the perfumes bouncing, the energy of the people bouncing, that communion is like, I think to me, the most magical thing about not just smells, but the energy of smells. And what does that look like or smell like to the next person or sound like, mm-hmm. you know? So I don't know if there's like a tried and true, this this smell color goes with this aura. Mm-hmm. It's more the energy of something rather than a specific color or texture, depending on the person. I I get what you're saying. Okay. So not to put you on the spot, but if you had to do that for me, what are you picking up on, whether it's colors or scents or anything? Okay. I'm going to close my eyes for one second. And can you say your name out loud? Emma Vernon. Okay. As far as colors, I see like a soft peach but also a very inky, you know, like, um, I don't know, it's, it's, it's called Sumi, but it's like this Japanese 
calligraphy ink. I see the soft P it's soft pink, but it's like, um, real writer's ink, Mm -hmm. like actual ink calligraphers ink. And then I also see, um, Oh, okay. I see, um, this like rutilated, it's not emerald, but this like, um, dark green, very like, like, like a citrine or a topaz color coming. It's like emanating from your fourth chakra, like your heart chakra. Mm. Um, and, and green is often associated with the, with transformation. So it tells me maybe like your heart space is not just healing, but also, um, what it tells me is that maybe your heart is expanding to include like a, um, grander way of, of sharing your heart space. Mm. And, um, it's, it looks more magnanimous. Oh my God. Like now, now the colors are just going a little bit wild. There's like a square, um, an emerald square off in the distance that just like keeps trying to get my attention. Um, I'm going to just tap into it. It's so this like interesting, like green thing that I see floating around. It, it is your personal, like, it's not like a mobile phone. It's just like a spiritual phone. It's like a messenger. It's like a messenger bird. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like trying to like land to you to give you messages. So, so it looks like a lot of beings are trying to contact you and it's more about you, um, creating the environment or space so all these messages can have a oh I see well you obviously don't want it all in your physical body so it's almost like you need to have a you know like a mail room you need like a spiritual mail room because all these things are trying to like talk to you and and they're all just hovering and and you're like what if I have a message center that that something something could just be filtered so I'm not getting inundated with all this crazy messages so you know like we, I talked earlier about people who have incredible, spiritual software, one of the things that you're learning to develop is it looks like you want to have a spiritual call center, but also have someone manage it because you're like, no, I don't want to go through all the messages. That's honestly (laughs) what you're saying does check out because I'm very attuned. I've gone to psychic mediums. I talk to my spirit guides, deceased loved ones in my head. I do feel like I receive messages But then I'm also deeply terrified of the idea of like experiencing something beyond what's comforting and experiencing something that disturbs me. So this feels um, very in line with how I feel about my relationship to spirit. Yosh, thank you so much for doing that. That was, um, I felt this like light feeling as you were saying that. And I definitely off this podcast will follow up with you. I guess relating it back to scent is there anything like scent related that like comes up that comes up for you or, or how would that process work after like reading someone? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, the two things that I was most curious about and, and I would try to find the scent for was that soft peach color Mm -hmm. because I think it had this, um, powdery feeling almost like, um, you know, like translucent powder for your face. Yeah. It, it just, that, that smell kind of like came in a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then this emerald green thing um, is, I wouldn't say that that emerald green thing would be a personal scent, mm-hmm. but almost like a, like a candle scent for ritual. Like, okay, now I'm signaling that, that the portal is open. Mm-hmm. And then when you extinguish that smell, the portal is closed. Interesting. 
It's like a boundary with spirit. Yes, yes, yes. So that green smell, if emerald had a smell, Mm -hmm. it's a very peculiar, almost otherworldly smell as if it were like a mineral from from outer space. So like a little bit like asteroid, a little bit galactic, a little bit ethereal or ozonic. Mm -hmm. So what I love about these readings, I want to say, is, is when something like this extraordinary happens, what happens is I don't have the physical earth words to describe it because earth words are linear and you know, not as multidimensional as the thing I'm seeing in this other world. So, so I want to thank you for showing me this incredible emerald green thing that I've never seen before or smelled before. So, um, I love it. We have to explore cool. it more. Well, yeah, thank you. I, you know, okay. So I don't have the same gift you do and I don't pertain to have it, but I will say my old coworker and I, we had this weird thing where we both associated everyone in our office with a different color and we would do like a countdown and do like three, two, one, and then show each other what we wrote on a post-it. <laughs> and it was like nine times out of 10, we saw the same specific color. And I don't know if this resonates with you. This is coming from a very non-professional. This is just like how I view you in Emma's in Emma's head. But the color that I see with you is something in between turquoise and teal, like somewhere in the middle oh. of that. A thousand percent. Every psychic who has ever read me has the same color. Really? Oh, always says the same color. And that's my personal color. That's my brand color. Mm-hmm. And every psychic I have ever sat down said, oh, I see this light blue teal. Aqua. I see this so like you're, very specific shade. Yep. Yeah. Oh, wow. I love oh that. Oh my gosh. That's, tru- that's truly amazing. Wow. Okay, cool. Now you're just, uh, I'm like tuning my own horn over here. Yes. It's confirmed. Wow. Isn't that interesting? Because you would never know that. I've never told you that. Yeah. No, I and, just and see you, that you wouldn't with you. Know. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Okay. You guys know what my perfume juice of today is going to be. Obviously, it is on Atelier Cologne. This is a hot tip that I have been sitting on for a few weeks. Shout out to Jasmine who gave me this tip a few weeks back, but I wanted to wait until I had official confirmation before I shared my POV or my thoughts on it, and now we sadly do. So before I give you my thoughts, let me just tell you my sources, which are one, Atelier sent an email to its customers that said that they are entering a new chapter for the brand to craft even more modern and elevated perfumes to inspire the next generation of perfume enthusiasts. That is a direct quote. To that, I say, what the hell, Atelier? What about the current generation of perfume enthusiasts? Do we not matter? Because I love Atelier and I have been waxing poetic about this brand for as long as I have known about it. If you are a baby listening to this episode, one, Google Gaga, and two, congratulations. Apparently, you are Atelier's new demo. We don't mean shit. Gen Z, millennials, boomers, I guess we'll just have to find a new brand. I'm actually being dramatic because in two more pieces of evidence, one, in my DMing back and forth with the brand on TikTok, they said to me, We hope to come back as soon as possible. We will be available in stores in Europe with one store in Paris and Asia. And in a text obtained from my friend who works at Atelier, I heard the brand is shutting down in the US and Canada for a couple of years and should be back. So all this to say, yes, we can mourn. Yes, we can stock up, but it does look like they will make a return. Very confused. Are they coming back at a higher price point, a lower price point, more niche, less niche? And let me tell you what I think Atelier got wrong. 
And again, this is from someone who is truly coming at it from the consumer point of view, and I know nothing about their business logistics. So, you know, what I'm saying might not apply to them at all. But I think the consumer palette has evolved and we really crave niche fragrances. It's almost like the whole idea of niche has become mainstream. So I don't even know what that word means anymore, but we are looking for evolved, eclectic, unique scents. And I think that that's what's trendy right now. And what I will say about Atelier that I think is a huge miss is so many of their best scents were never marketed to the masses. Yes, they have distribution in Sephora, and Nordstrom and Bloomingdale's and other department stores, but the ones that hit those stores were not even my favorites from the brand. If you go into Sephora, you're gonna find all of their citruses, Orange Sanguine, Clementine California, Pacific Lime, Pomelo Paradise, great. Love their citruses as much as you do. But to me, where they really shine was their amber collection and their bright floral collection. You know I've waxed poetic about Cafe Tuberosa. You know I love Jasmine Angelique. I also love Silver Iris. It's such a beautiful aura scent. I love Santal Carmen. It feels like a mix between Santal 33 and Baccarat Rouge. I love Gold Leather. It's this amazing rum, plum, warm evening fragrance. And if you didn't have a chance to experience them directly in an atelier store or order them directly from the site, you might not even know that those fragrances exist. So what I hope for in what I'm going to call triumphant return of atelier is that they trust the consumer palette and come to us with their beautiful, complex masterpieces that made me fall in love with the brand and hopefully all of you guys as well. Apparently my hot tip of using the code THANKYOU40 at checkout on their site is no longer valid because I've heard their site has been crashing multiple times. But I guess I would say if you live near a Sephora or a Nordstrom or a Bloomingdale's, maybe go to one of those stores IRL and just see what inventory they have left. I'm not sure if they're discounting it in store, but I mean, they should be. Now back to Yosh. Are there certain scents associated with spirituality in certain places of the world? I do think so. Lots of other cultures use scent in a more spiritual way, right? Um, in, in Japan, where I visited many times, you go to the temple and you light incense mm -hmm. before, you know, you visit. And um, certainly in other cultures, in Bali, where I lived for, you know, many months, same thing. The, the They have little altars that you put on the floor and, and it sound it, you feel like, oh, I'm stepping on an altar, but they have flowers and you step on them and the, the scent permeates the streets. And certainly in Dubai, where I visited, it's so aromatic there. It really, like, if, if I could say it smelled like heaven, everywhere I turned, it was like, oh my God, this is definitely what heaven smells like, honestly. Mm. And, you know, they burn bakor. And so when you walk down a street or in the, you know, there's Old Town and then there's all of New Dubai and all of New Dubai is in a mall. And even in the mall, it smells amazing. But when you go to the old souks and you go down a little alley, they have these huge, um, they're like um, burning vessels, but but they're like as tall as me. And, and and you know, if you're if you're very wealthy and you have a wedding, you have this like huge bakor incense mm -hmm. thing and everyone wafts and puts the smoke in their clothing and then you walk in. So so there's a tradition of smells that that we just don't have mm -hmm. here. And, and in fact, in a lot of, for a long time in, in America, everyone was anti-smells, right. don't wear smells to office. Right. I love that, you know, certain cultures have certain smells. And then sadly, if you're not familiar with it, you, it may bring up some anxiety or fear or xenophobia, you know, um, 
I, w- I was listening to, I don't know, David Chang, who, who's, you know, a mm-hmm. restaurateur in New York with Momofuku. He said on his Instagram somewhere that, that because of COVID, he had all these family members and, and employees just come over to his house and he would be cooking for, for them because, you know, they were like isolating together or something like this. And then I, I think he said that his landlord said that he can't do that anymore because it smells, but it's the smell, it's the smell of xenophobia. And I think it is important to recognize that through smell, through taste, we can learn about other cultures, mm-hmm. right? And that's part of my work through Scent Festival. It didn't start out that way. It, my, you know, when I started Scent Festival at the beginning of COVID, it really was just me. I, I love putting together events, including, you know, perfume events. For a large part of my career, I had perfumers breakfasts. I would I would have different supply houses come over to my studio and I would invite all my perfumer friends and we'd smell a bunch of materials and do a collective co-op buy mm-hmm. and, you know, like rare materials that were too expensive for any one of us artisans. And then when I would go to Italy to Pitti Fragranza, I always had a Sunday dinner and they became quite famous and everyone wanted to come to my Sunday dinners because we were all like kind of everyone else who lives in Europe, they're just going to go home. Whereas if you flew from far away, everyone went home on Sunday and we were just like all left like orphans. And so I had like, oh, okay, Sunday dinner with Yosh. And so I love putting things together for people to stay connected. And through the beginning of the pandemic, I thought, okay, let's do scent festival and let's do digital events. And I remember I was one of the first to do Instagram lives Mm -hmm. and people were like, didn't even know how to turn on their Instagram live function. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, you know, an older generation of perfumers, it's fine. But then um, through the pandemic, it went from showcasing and highlighting independent artisan perfumers to, oh my God, what about black perfumers doing during Black Lives Movement? And then from there, it became about amplifying Asian perfumers. Mm -hmm. And then from there, it became, oh my God, not only do we have to amplify POC perfumers and brands, but what about this topic of the word oriental? Mm -hmm. And you've been so generous and and, and a a true ally and friend and supporter. And I I really want to thank you because of you and other TikTok influencers. It's it was it's definitely changed because of the younger generation. Mm-hmm. And I want to acknowledge that it's it's so important because for a lot of people, it has been accepted that Oriental means whatever it means. Mm-hmm. But it, it but but when you actually think about it, it's it's very xenophobic right. because it continues to put a whole culture as other. And when you say it's the smells. Well, well, what smells? Because when you break it apart olfactively and you look at the genealogy of scents, this is something that I've learned through Dana El-Masri and her work is the smells from the Kaliji region or the, the, the GCC, which is Oman, UAE, Qatar, uh, Saudi Arabia, Bahrain. Mm-hmm. They have a specific smell based on an accord of saffron rose oud. Mm-hmm. And so when you have that smell of that smell culture, you recognize it's from that place. Right. What's happening is, is we're not a monolith. And so when, when people say, yeah, but Oriental just means East. Well, I'm an Asian American in California. So, it, so East of me is New York and Europe. And I don't think anyone would say New Yorkers are Oriental and Europeans are Oriental, but geographically, I'm in California. Everything east of me is that. Mm-hmm. And then when you say, okay, well, I'll, I'll give you maybe Orient means east and Latin. But we know through current modern time mapping that Africa 
is not east of Europe. Africa is south. The Caribbean is south. And so you and and India, we know, is not in the Caribbean. India is in Asia, right? And it's South Asia. And so when you use the the geographic word of oh, Orient means east. It, it falls apart immediately because we know geographically these countries that they've lumped together as Oriental don't fit the geographic profile. Then when you look at it from the olfactive profile, you go, well, why are these Oriental fragrances all have vanilla? Vanilla is not even from really Asia. It, it came from Madagascar and it's been grown equatorially in Costa Rica and Mexico. Tahiti, Tahiti's what? It's not Asian, it's Pacific mm-hmm. Islander. Right. And so when you say, okay, well, what makes an oriental fragrance? And then you break it down, then you go, okay, well, let me break it down. Is it by region? Because then you have this Mohalat from the Kaliji region, from the GCC. Is it North African? Is it from where in Asia? Then you go, okay, well, from if I'm from Taiwan and has a different smell profile than Southeast Asia. And certainly when you just look at India as a country, there's some North India, South Mm -hmm. India, and then you have. Sri Lanka, you have, you know, Myanmar, Malaysia, there's so many scent cultures. And when you dig deep, just even thinking about food, you're like, okay, if you eat Asian food, it's not all the same. Sushi is not, you know, a summer roll. And so your mind says, oh, I can wrap my head around. Uh, Food is different from each country. But then suddenly when you talk about perfume, people just don't have the vocabulary to split Mm -hmm. it up. But then when you break it down olfactively, and you look at the fragrance wheel, you go, oh, okay, well, no other industry uses Oriental in the fragrance or taste wheel. Wine, whiskey, coffee, tea, chocolate, nobody, because it's not related to raw materials. And when you look at the raw materials and you look at the provenance, then you can say, okay, well, if it comes from this place, let's say um, we, we know that you know uh, Morocco has the, the Rose Festival, it's grown in the High Atlas or you have saffron from Iran, right? So then you can say more specifically, well, if it it has saffron, it's more that style of fragrance versus um, osmanthus might be more from China. Mm -hmm. And it has like a literal, not only is the the material grown there, but it's used in their cuisine. So so then you can go, okay, if it has osmanthus, it's probably not from the Middle East. If it has osmanthus or anything peach, it's probably from East Asia. And when you break it apart like that, then it makes more sense to say it's not Oriental because it's specific regionally. Just like when you say, well, champagne only comes from France and cava comes from Spain and Prosecco is Italian, you you understand regionally what that means. So so it's, it's not that we're not intelligent. It's just that the perfume industry has been seriously colonizers and not willing to change it. Although thanks to you and thanks to other TikTokers and not just TikTokers, but definitely consumers, brand owners, that everyone has really put their weight into it. You know, the Fragrance Foundation, Michael Edwards, I want to thank you too. I don't think you know this, but but after your episode with um, Sankum Sims, mm-hmm. the Tammy and Catherine, I, I reached out and said, hey, I know you're you're closely related to the original, you know, people in France. Can you give us an update on the Oriental word? And they said, stand by. And I was nervous because a lot of French companies have not wanted to change the word, right? It, it's been British Society of Perfumers, 
they they made yes we're going to change and and then you could see in the press release as well in our english speaking territories we're going to change the word from oriental to amber and the french you know i don't want to say like oh all french people are bad but just as an industry it's been primarily dominated by france and they haven't been supportive mm-hmm. Because they have the most to lose. Of course, one of the first fragrances is Shalimar, you know, Guerlain. And so, so it's not to cancel cultures. It's not cancel, cancel brands. It's to say, hey, we just want to point this out. Can we have a pivot? Can we update? And what's been amazing is in the last six months, af- after two years of like knocking on the door, pounding on the door, all caps emails late at night, like, no, we're not changing. You don't know what you're talking about. Like really things where it's just been like, I've been cyber bullied and not just me, but other people who have been proponents talking loud. Hey, let's change really gaslit tone policed all of this. It's awesome. The last six months, thanks to the internet, thanks to the perfume community. I just got uh, a press release saying that saint in France is no longer using Oriental. Wow. They're using Ombre. Um, also the Society of Creative Perfumers, um, they're using ombre. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a huge thing, whether they are doing it because we're strong arming them, they see that, you know, dossier changed, mm-hmm. right? Commodity has changed. And whether it's because they see it as a loss of revenue, mm-hmm. it, 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 it we can vote with our dollars. Right. In addition to just like, let's change the word, but also how do we smell other amber fragrances. And I love more than anything that this category has blown up because it used to just be all ambers or all orientals. But now people are saying, oh, well, no, 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 no. It's not just amber. You actually have to be more specific and say it's a, an amber resin, amber spice, not just amber. It, it's it's amber? more vanilla based. Yeah, right. uh, you know, like I, I know that you like the, the amber from Nemat and you know, mm-hmm. I, I think that's the beauty is for some reason, everything was just lumped as oriental. But the minute you say, well, no, it's amber, then suddenly everyone has an, a, an opinion on what kind right, of like amber what kind it is. Of it. <laughs> yeah. But the idea of people actually stopping and categorizing amber scents also speaks to the inaccuracy of what that categorization was. Because you just, and I think your analogy about cuisine is such a good one. It's like, you people are able to differentiate Chinese food from Japanese food, from Indian food. No, no one has a problem with that. And it's almost like maybe it's lack of vocabulary or lack of, of knowledge, like you said, like from the fragrance industry or just just consumers not really knowing. You know, I will say when I first started taking courses in perfume, the O word was still the word that was being used. And I, I felt like I heard it and I heard people just saying it so flippantly and I felt like this feels wrong. This yeah, doesn't feel yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. But but then I didn't know what the other word was because right. I was still learning and I didn't have other vocabulary to use because this was my intro class. And people told me use that word to describe this type of smell. And I'm so happy that with my knowledge of perfume, with advances, with all the work that Scent Festival and that you have done and other creators amplifying the message and, and brands t- catching on, that people have another word to use. A hundred percent. It's also great because um, FIT is is going to put a bigger emphasis on their programming for their you know fragrance 
um, course there. So I think once the fragrance suppliers and schools, institutions, the companies have to follow because it's almost like the, the merge is happening, the, the inside track and the consumers. So everybody in the middle has to change. And I mm-hmm. think, I think, you know, I use that word because it's important to just sometimes say it out loud in this transition, but also mm-hmm. say Oriental is now Amber, but you have to say, well, what kind of Amber? And in one of the press releases, even though they didn't credit me, it's fine, but they actually used, well, if it's Middle Eastern, let's try to use Mohalat. Or let's say if it's from India, if it's been a co-distillation with sandalwood, let's say Atar. And I think mm-hmm. it gives people an opportunity to actually learn more. Right. I want to ask you about Scent Trunk. Um, we've been talking about so many other things. We've been recording for like an hour and 40 minutes. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> so I also know that you are the creator of Scent Trunk, and I would love to hear more about what Scent Trunk is and what you are doing with different perfumers that you work with. Yeah, I'm the creative director at Scent Trunk. So I didn't, I wasn't the founder of the company. It was purchased by our parent company, um, which is Perfumers Apprentice. And when I came on board, it was at first just a rebrand project. But then as I got to know the company, as I, you know, kind of wanted to see what would be possible, this idea that that I could work with other perfumers and noses and give them a platform was just so exciting because it just allows me to tell that story in a way that, you know, because I love the community of perfumers and, and I always want to tell the story of the independent artisans, but also tell the story of traveling through scent and also what are some ingredients that don't get as much limelight? What countries, mm-hmm. because of course, to kind of put it all together is this, the story of the ingredients, the story of the place, but seen through a perfumer that doesn't get a lot of um, airtime. And so for mm-hmm. us, it's a, it's the ability to tell the story of the true artisan perfumer through fragrances that we think are very unique in an approach that's not limited to tradition and convention. So we mm-hmm. have the original editions and that's, um, we take a focus ingredient. There's a yearly theme. We started out with um, Supernatural Future, and then we moved on to Botanical Machinist. And then we do have a new 2022 theme that hasn't been released yet. And then on the other side, we inherited this amazing library of fragrances, which we rebranded to call DIY Bespoke, because it's not signature perfumes and it's not make your own perfumes, but it's kind of like a more how do you say, let's say original edition is like kind of like Frederick Mall and, and putting the perfumers first, whereas mm-hmm. DIY Bespoke is more like Mix Bar by Target or Joe Malone, mm-hmm. and it's very layerable. And so we have over 50 different fragrances that are ready-made. We're, we're going to launch six more through um, this new way of blending. So it's definitely like very niche, very artistic, but also very fun and playful. Yosh, it has been such a joy talking to you. So people listening know, I'm probably going to have to edit some of this down. Yosh and I have now been talking for an hour and 45 minutes and we could talk for two more hours. But there is one final segment of the show and that is called What's That Smell? Are you familiar with What's That Smell? Mm, What's That Smell? Yes. It's Rapid Fire Scent Association. Oh my God. I'm going to name person, place, or thing, and you tell me the smell that is associated with it. Okay. Okay. Are you ready to play? I think so. Okay. Yosh, what is the smell of New York City? 
the smell of New York City. I feel like the, when I'm there, it's it's the smell of the the universe in a microcosm. Wow, deep stuff. Okay, okay. I have another one for you. Another abstract one. What is the smell of TikTok? Oh my gosh, the smell of TikTok. It's definitely the smell of vanilla, but also like amplified with like swirls on top that are like diamonds and sparkly. Wow. Okay. <laughs> what is the smell of San Francisco? Oh yeah. San Francisco is, um, it's very gritty, um, but also coastal and refreshing. It's like this marine foresty, um, but also not sparkly, but, but there's definitely like a low key silicone vibe, but it's still very mm. earthy and crunchy. I'm loving it. What is the smell of your childhood home? Oh my gosh. The smell of my childhood home is like the smell of temple incense and like tiger balm with like <laughs> some, you know, soup with a lot of garlic and ginger. And um, yeah, it's <laughs> it's very Asian. <laughs> Lot, very fragrant. Very fragrant. Very fragrant. Okay, what is the smell of um, your first love? Oh my gosh, my first love wore Fahrenheit. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and they're the first for a reason, and then you move on. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh my gosh. Okay, <laughs> what is the smell of scent festival? Ooh, the smell of scent festival. I would say that it's um. Oh, that's a good question. I feel like it's the smell of um, musk and amber, but also like citrus and and very green. It's, it's scent festival smells to me both old school and very new. Like like just I can't put it into words. A little bit of everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the final question, what is the smell of Yosh? I feel like it's the smell of salt and a four-stroke outboard engine, which smells like gas. <laughs> so gas and salt. Um, gas okay. and salt, exactly. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Yosh, it's been such a treat to talk with you. Um, I, we, we have covered so much ground today. For people listening who are interested, you have multiple platforms. Where can people find you? Yeah, so for my Yosh brand, you can find me at Oda Yosh, like instead of Oda Parfum, it's Oda Yosh. And then I have to decolonize that. It's on my like to-do list. <laughs> I don't want anything French anymore. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no. And then also Scent Festival and also Scent Trunk for my creative director roles. So th there's multiple ways to find me. And I, I you know, I, I want to say thank you so much for, for giving me the space because I do have a lot of different things to say. And it, I just really appreciate the opportunity to talk about myself with my personal brand, Yosh, and also my um, activism work through Scent Festival and then my creative director role at Scent Trunk. So thank you so very much. It's been of such course. a delight and you're such You've a great host. You've got so many things host. going on. Oh, it's no. been such a great time. I have one more question, which is for people listening who want to get involved with Scent Festival and want to help, what what should they do? You know, it would be really great to, one, sign a petition to 
have people really have more awareness to update the word from Oriental to Amber, but also to call out your favorite brands and just send them a DM and say, hey, I'm really concerned. I see this word on your website. When can we expect the change? Because if I'm the only one talking about it and people DM me, then I'm just the squeaky wheel. Whereas when you amplify through your own platform or even send a DM to your favorite brands, it signals that you're concerned about change too. So the biggest mm-hmm. thing that that listeners can do is to send your favorite brands when you see them using that word to say, hey, you know, we'd love to know when you're going to change that word. Right. Don't make Yosh your spiritual call center. You see how I bring it all full circle? <laughs> Amazing. Perfume Room is edited by Wyatt Peak. Music is by Max Vernon and illustrations are by Israel Rodriguez. 